This episode is brought to you by Elo, the Creators Network. You can go to elo.co or download Elo's iOS app in the App Store to explore, discover, and share your work on Elo's ad-free network. And with Elo's new Buy button, you can link a post directly to a product in your shop, empowering you to support yourself through your work and ideas. Elo, empowering creators around the world. As well as MailChimp, the easiest way to send email newsletters, connect with your audience, and grow your creative business. This is the Great Discontent Podcast. This conversation was recorded in front of a live audience at the Wythe Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, as part of TGD Live, a monthly interview event series. Your lovely and well-dressed host for the night was Tina Esmaker. Enjoy the show. Hello, good evening. Uh, Thank you so much for coming out. We have a great show tonight. Uh, Julia and Aaron Robs are here, right here. And this is a really special show because they just moved back to New York from San Francisco. So this is this is TGD Live, but this is also welcome back, Aaron and Julia. We are so glad you're here. So glad. <laughs> awesome. So uh, I'm going to bring up our first guest. I think you might know him. Um, he is a graphic designer, artist, and art director now based in New York City. He currently oversees visual design and illustration for the brand studio team at Dropbox. And he previously served as design director at Kickstarter and senior designer at MailChimp. Please welcome Aaron Robs. Thank you. Awesome. So so good to have you guys back in the city. Oh, it's so good to be back. (laughs) So when I was uh, doing a little research for the show, as I do, I did a lot of Googling, and there's not a lot of information about you or Julia online. Um, so I'm excited to learn more about you both tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm you ready to, to spill share. the secrets? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I okay. brought my journal. I'm gonna okay, you brought it. You're going to read it out. from the pages. So I want to start where I like to start with everyone, which is the beginning. And I'd like to hear a little bit about where you grew up and how creativity was expressed in your early years. Yeah, I grew up in uh, a town called Chattanooga. It's in southeastern Tennessee. Um, it's like basically like equidistant between Nashville and Atlanta. So it's just like little like medium-sized town. Um, but I, I grew up there. Um, my dad was a police officer. My mom was a homemaker. Um, and I think like I had they're, – they're creative people, but they weren't necessarily um, – uh, we didn't know many people that were, you know, making a living doing like anything in a creative discipline. So like I, I felt woefully ignorant. I didn't even know about about graphic design specifically. I didn't even figure out what that was until I was like 25 years old or something. So yeah, um, I was going to ask if anyone in your family worked in a creative discipline. Mm-hmm. So as a as a child growing up, um, were you into drawing or music or were, were there any things that you were particularly drawn to? Yeah, totally. I, I remember. Um, being a kid and like uh, like laying on my stomach and drawing pictures of people and magazines with my mother and my uh, my mom's sister was uh, an illustrator for like newspapers so she she used to draw models like with clothes on for like this department store called Loveman's and I remember seeing some of those <laughs> clips I, yeah I guess photography was like way more expensive or something back then um, but I. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, she's she's really the only person. Like, she, I think she went to school for for art, but uh, ended up doing something entirely different. Um, so I I want to talk about the time I first met you, uh, you and Julia. It was 2012, and uh, the Great Discontent was doing a film project at a conference, and we were interviewing attendees at the conference, and we were asking everyone three questions, and one of the questions we asked is, "What would you say to your 18 year old self?" Mm-hmm. Think about that for a minute. What would you guys say to your 18-year-old selves? Um, and I want to read the answer that you gave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> four, four years ago. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> I, do you remember what you said? Yeah, it means vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you said, don't be so scared to commit to something. It took me a long time to find myself. So when you say don't be so scared to commit to something, mm. I'm assuming you're referring to career focus or 
maybe a major in college? Yeah, probably. I think that's sort of like a, a through line in my life that it just has taken me a long time to get anywhere. <laughs> I don't know why. I didn't even leave my hometown until I was like 30, 31 years old. And it was basically to chase Julia because she wasn't going to stick around Chattanooga. So like, <laughs> I was either, either follow her or she's gone forever. Um, no, but I think, I think back um, to, to like when I was 15, I started playing guitar and it took me a, a good 10 years before I started playing in a, in a band that I felt like really confident about. And I think that's sort of a theme with graphic design, even until recently, like I, I didn't start practicing professionally until I was like 28. And, um, and I think it's only now that I've sort of really sort of figured out what my point of view is and what I want to make. I just take my time. <laughs> with, with everything in my life, I'm, I'm just one of those people that like I'm hyper critical of myself, and and uh, I don't I don't put a lot of work out in the world. I don't think, but that's that's changing now. I feel. Um, did you have an aha moment? You said that when you were growing up, you didn't really know design was a thing. Mm -hmm. Was there? Did you study design in college? And was yeah. there a moment when you realized it was it was a thing, and it was a thing that you were into? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I went to college right out of high school, and I changed my major like four times from like marketing to uh, English, secondary English. I wanted to be a teacher, and I just like was in, was in marketing, and I couldn't I couldn't pass statistics. I failed it twice, and then so I was like, well, I guess college isn't for me right now until I figure out what I want to do. So. Yeah, I think I was like mostly focused on music at that point in my life, and and I needed to start making posters. I got into like doing that the most cliche way. I was like, oh, my band's got a show. I need to make a poster. And I had a friend who I knew did that kind of work, and he showed me how to use the pen tool. And I think that was that was my aha moment. And I was like, oh my god, you make money doing this? this is amazing. It's so fun. And you you studied in so you were in Tennessee still. Yep. You went to school there, mm -hmm. majored in design. Yep. Graduated. Yep. And then you stayed uh, in the area and got a, a job at a digital agency. Mm -hmm. uh, later, you worked at Mailchimp, who's partnering with us on the event tonight. Yeah, yeah Mailchimp. Um, and then Kickstarter, and now Dropbox. So, what were your first years out of school like? Right, uh, I came out of school very ambitious. I had a lot to prove, and my first projects were like making real estate ads for like the local rag newspaper. So I think I got like you know, <laughs> deflated pretty quickly, but, you know, I think that's, that's a good thing. So, um, yeah, it was like small agencies that were just sort of hustling up work in, in our hometown. It wasn't like anything on a larger scale than that. Um, I think my second job in my hometown out of college, that's, that's when I started getting a little bit more into like doing illustration work or logo work or, um, getting to do a little bit more conceptual things, but it wasn't really until MailChimp that I actually like felt trust and got to do the kind of work I wanted to do. What, um, what lessons or insights did you have in the first few years out of college? Is there anything that sticks with you that you still reference today? Yeah, I think, I, I think just like working hard and working late and not that, I feel like I did that so much more back then. Uh, I mean, I was working until midnight, and then then I would have, like, you know, but I was working on, like, my band project and this thing, so I feel like I was always busy, and I think that's when I'm really happy. And I, I think I carry that with me now. Like, if I'm on some Netflix binge or something, I'm definitely not happy with my <laughs> what's going on. You know, if I'm, if I'm making and I'm really tired, then, then I'm, I'm usually happier and feel I get energy from that, so... Um, yeah, but early on, I think the lessons I learned is just to listen and ask a ton of questions and, and, you know, put your ego aside. And I think that that served me pretty well. I just wanted to continue to learn. I think that's hard. You know, you're so eager when you come out of school, right? You're like, I'm going to change the world with design or whatever you do. You think I'm going to go out and be the very best in my field right away. And like you said, I mean, you were... You said you were 30 when you left your hometown. Yeah. I was 30 when I left my hometown, and I didn't start doing work I truly loved until I was, well, I don't know, 27 or yeah. 28. And I didn't even, it was kind of by accident. So, you know, I graduated college too and thought, like, I want to change the world. And I was doing a totally different, working in a different field then. And, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like Brian Collins, who's the uh, – who found a Collins agency here. I think I was listening to him on another podcast recently and he was talking about 
or maybe it was a tweet. I can't remember what it was, but he was talking about how people really start to find their stride after 50. As I'm like approaching 40 in the next couple of years, I'm like, oh, that's really comforting. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm just now kind of getting to a, a good place. I think I heard, I heard laughter from the audience. It was, it was partial like recognition, like the laugh of recognition, but also like shit, we have a long ways to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was talking, we recently did a show with Debbie Millman and she talked about this idea that if you do have success very early, early on in your career, you have to sustain that for a really long time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you become very well known and quote unquote successful, whatever the hell that means when you're 22, you have to sustain that until you reti- retire. And so I think that when you can grow into your own at a, at a really like natural pace and not expediate it, it's just, I don't know, it feels really good and it feels more sustainable. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm 35 and, you know, I have nowhere to go but up. I know. <laughs> it feels great. My face looks worse, but, you know, <laughs> my brain keeps getting better. Um, so you were just talking about how happy you are when you're making versus binging yeah. Netflix shows, which we all need to do from time to time, right? Um, Stranger Things, anyone? Um, <laughs> and I, so I want to talk about, I noticed recently you just did a mural, mm-hmm. um, a large-scale scale mur- mural um, at Dropbox's headquarters here in New York. And you have also been doing these like paper-cut collages and um, you know personal work. Mm-hmm. So um, how does a tactile project like that, like this mural that you did, fulfill you creatively in a different way than... Yeah. I'm guessing that a lot of the work you're doing at Dropbox is on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. All of it, almost entirely, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think when we moved back to New York, I had this sort of like... Uh, it was like I was seeing the city again for the first time. We, we moved to a different part. We moved to the Lower East Side. We lived in, um, in Brooklyn before, and... I think just like, just like any time you move to a new place, you're like uh, more keenly aware of the details and the things around. And I think I, I, I just really got re-inspired by the city and, and specifically like all the layers and layers of patina and the rips and, and just like kind of what, what gives the city character. And um, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to take that and, and sort of um, – pull it back down to its most minimal shapes and all this and uh and color and just sort of like go back to like the core foundation of like even my education just like composition form how to how do things interact with each other especially i'd never done anything uh, as big as that mural it was 62 feet long and i'd never <laughs> barely painted anything and i was like yeah it sounds sounds super fun i did it with alex proba which was um some, she i worked with her at kickstarter for a couple of years um but yeah, I think that's sort of like a through line I'm, I'm in, interested in right now. It's just sort of how I was sort of like looking at the city, how that kind of reflects into my personal work and, and even just like the way I got that project started was to, like when I started designing the actual mural itself, I went through and ripped up, you know, probably 40 pages of and went through and found the interesting tears and then scanned those in and then just started creating compositions out of that stuff on the computer. So the computer is definitely a place where I'm most comfortable because I work in it most of the time, but bringing in some kind of like analog aspect in, into that and sort of, uh, I don't know, I've been like doing weird stuff with spray paint and, and paint. It's just been awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, there's something really nice about creating work that's just for yourself, whether or not you put it online, um, or it's just in your diary journal or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you need that no matter what stage of your career you're in. Um, even if you're working a full-time job that's pretty consuming, I think um, you can find fulfillment in your, uh, you know, whatever, your job title or whatever. But I think that there's a lot of fulfillment that comes out of that personal work too. And the thing is, no one is going to tell you that you have to do that or when it's due, you have right. to initiate it on your own. Yeah. And I think a lot of the work I've ended up doing professionally for whatever reason is sort of I don't know if early on in my career I sort of got really into the details of design, specifically like type scale and design systems, working on figuring out grid systems and just sort of like how things sort of like tightly interconnect with each other and sort of back myself into a corner. When I realize as I'm getting older, I really care so much more about like the expression of a company's brand or the expression of a person's brand or like whatever project I'm working on and, and sort of using my 
my talents or point of point of view in, in that area as well. But I think, I think both are like very important, but, but I think there's, you know, you get to a place where you, you just kind of automate all that stuff and you kind of do it the same way. And I, I don't know, I started getting really bored and I'm just happy to do, be doing artwork again. Yeah, it's time for a new challenge. Okay, if you've ever heard a podcast before, you've likely heard of MailChimp. But it really is true, MailChimp is the easiest way to send email newsletters. If you're looking to connect with an audience or grow your creative business, you've got to give MailChimp a try. It's easy to set up. It's easy to use. There are flexible design options that make it so simple to create a great-looking campaign. And let's say you're putting on an event in Chicago and you only want to email people that are from Chicago. MailChimp's powerful automation and segmentation tools make this easy with just a few clicks. Plus, with MailChimp's mobile app, you can manage lists, add new subscribers, send campaigns, and view reports all while on the go. Getting started with MailChimp could not be easier. No expiring trials, no contracts, no credit card required. Just sign up and start emailing now. Go to MailChimp.com to create your free account today. Thank you, MailChimp, for supporting the Great Discontent Podcast. Now back to the show. Cool. So we are going to bring up the second guest of the evening. More beautiful and I have a little, little intro. Um, so our second guest is a professional lifestyle and editorial photographer. Born and raised in France, she now calls New York City her home. Her, pro- her projects have taken her around the world, and she has shot for Samsung, Urban Outfitters, Home Polish, Refin- Refinery29, Airbnb, and many others. Please welcome Julia Robs. There she is. Hi. Okay, you two. <laughs> um, Julia, you were born and raised in France. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so how did your experiences there shape your beliefs about creativity? Um, so yeah, I was born and raised in France, and um, I'm one of five kids, so part of a really large family. Um, but I feel like that didn't stop my parents from doing anything they wanted to do. Um, so we traveled all around the world, and not necessarily that they had a ton of money to do so, but it was something they were passionate about, so they just kind of made it happen. So in that way, I feel like they really just opened these doors to be like, whatever you want to do, just just kind of pursue it. And um, that was kind of a byline through growing up, is traveled a bunch, moved around a bunch, but don't let your situations stop you from doing what you want to do. Um, so yeah, I've, I've traveled a lot, and I feel like that probably has influenced you know, who I am and how I see the world. And... Um, how I interact with people and things like that. So, and um, you're a photographer, and was that was that a part of your early years? Like as a as a child, were you, you what forms of creativity were you most drawn to and interested in? Um, so so yeah, I don't really have like that photographer story where I've been shooting since I was five or anything. Um, my undergrad is in international relations, and then I went to phot- photography school after that, um, but. I will say that um, my mom has just been shooting, shooting, shooting her whole life and so much. Like our our whole lives are very well documented. Um, so in a way, photography has always been part of my upbringing just because, you know, people have like keys, wallet, cell phone. My mommy was keys, wallet, camera, you know, since the 70s. Um, so... Yeah, and that way photography has been, and then my dad was um, really into film photography for a little bit, but didn't didn't really see it out. So, no, I haven't been shooting forever, but it's always been around me. Yeah. Yeah, and so I want to mention, I want to bring up the film project again that we interviewed you and Aaron for, Mm -hmm. uh, Two Minutes with TGD, because I want to revisit your answer from four years ago. Which you just kind of touched on. Did I? Um, I don't even remember. A little what it bit. Was. <laughs> you touched on it a little bit. So you said you would tell your 18 year old self, don't bother going to college because you're not going to use that degree. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just do something for yourself, have fun, and don't try to graduate so quickly. So you just mentioned you went to college for international studies yes. in Chicago. Um, 
at what point did you decide to study photography? Yeah, so um, you just said, I guess I said, don't try to graduate so early because I graduated when I was 20. And so I think I was, I was trying to just get it out of the way because I, I think I believe that if I started something, I needed to finish it, which is why I did. Um, but what was the question again? Sorry. Um, it was, uh, at what point did oh, you decide did that right, photography right, right. was what you really wanted to focus on? <laughs> so um, kind of towards the end of my college career, I was involved in some graphic design and I'd always, always been very into fashion design. And um, that's another thing. My mom is, can basically sew anything. So I'd kind of grown up also making some pieces. Um, but then actually Aaron, um, when we met, I moved out, I moved away like two weeks after we met. But in those two weeks, he s somehow <laughs> managed to tell me about the school I ended up going to. And I just kind of on a whim was like, oh, I really like photography. And I've kind of been shooting my friends for the last year. Um, I think it's fun and it's cool. So I went with photography. There's not really good reason. I just kind of went with it. Yeah. And that was in Atlanta that you studied? Or I I ended up going to Atlanta to study photography. Okay, and so you've been shooting now for I'm it's seven, like seven years? years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, based on research from the internet, um, what is something that you wished you'd known when you started shooting? Um, it's a lot harder than it looks. It looks really glamorous, um, but it's just. And I, I think I, I know this now, everything just takes time. And like you said, um, you know, if you get super famous when you're 22, you've got to keep that up. And your your career is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Um, so when you don't book the big jobs or you don't get hired immediately for things, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And there's enough out there to share too. Because I think when you go to school with your friends and then you're like, oh, he got this magazine job or, you know, she's assisting this amazing photographer and why can't I do that? Um, you just have to remember that there's a lot, there's a lot to go around and hopefully everybody will have their turn. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's challenging when you see, you know, it's so challenging to compare yourself. We compare ourselves to others. And like all the time, <laughs> I mean, especially in the age of the internet and social media, right? Like how many people have ever looked at Instagram and been like, oh, this person is traveling to this place I want to go, or they got this really cool job. And yeah, you just have to put that out of your mind because if you fall into the trap of comparing your path to someone else's, it's just gonna, you're going to lose focus. And, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think you also have to remember that like Instagram and, and Twitter and everything is just so polished and it's so beautiful. Um, and hopefully people are living really beautiful lives, but there's a ton of work that goes behind it. Yeah. My living room does not look like well, it's the like stuff I see on Instagram. It's a tiny portion of your living room might, but like the rest does not. <laughs> I mean, unless you're a teenager, I think that they used Instagram totally differently, right? Yeah. I don't know. They're like gamifying it. Yeah, like like somebody's like post a pic a selfie or something, and they're like, "Oh my god, I hate you," like that kind of thing, or like they're like follow follow for follow. I don't understand what. Yeah. What's going on? Teens are hard. I think we're too old, Aaron. I think that's clearly. What's going on. <laughs> um, Julia, when did you you you, you know, were talking about this wasn't planned, but we're all kind of talking about how things just take a lot more time than you imagine that they're going to. So at what point did you feel confident in your shooting style? Um, honestly, I would say probably within the last year have I felt even comfortable enough to be in, you know, you're out meeting new people and they're like, oh, what do you do? And it took me a long time to say I'm a photographer and actually feel like I can say that truthfully and not just like, oh, I mean, I kind of do photography, you know. Um, but I mean, for the first four years right after school, I, I was waitressing, where, like bartending. So, you know, there's always a side job. It wasn't until we moved to New York that I made the clean cut of just trying to do photography. Um, and it's really probably been just in the last year, year and a half that I'm like, yes, I have my style. I feel like if you 
see my work, you're like, yeah, that's a Julia Robs, you know, photo style. Um, So like good six years for me. That means there's hope for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Keep working at it, guys. Um, And I'm and the, the last question I have for you and then I have some questions for both of you is what is the best career advice you've been given? Is there anything that really stands out that you've come back to over the years? Um, I think just working, working really, really hard. Um, so just shooting, shooting, shooting. And I remember in school, it was just, you know, the, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters what you're shooting, but the more you work at your craft, the better you will be. It does, you know, you're, you're born with the eye, you have the creativity, you know, not creativity, but the, your outlook and the way you see things, um, that's innate, but then you can still just work so hard at it and get better. Um, so I think, I think that's true. And I need to keep, I need to remember it too, because like he was saying, you know, we can, we can be binge watching on Netflix, but if I'm actually working on a personal project, I'm just that much happier. And that leads me to want to do more work. Um, when I'm not doing work, I don't really feel, or a project that makes, inspires me, then I don't feel like doing any more of that. But when I am doing it, then I just want to keep on, keep on, keep on doing that. And I think, um, sometimes we get stuck in that mode where we are like binge watching Netflix or we're just feeling really bad about ourselves creatively. Right. Have you ever been in that rut where you're like, just can't make anything good or I want to make something, but I don't know how. Um, so you're just watching Netflix and you're feeling bad about yourself. And like with each episode, you're like, I should really do something, but <laughs> I've only got three epis left until the finale. So I got to go for it. Um, I, I like that. I think somebody said one time when the Netflix episode ends and the screen turns black and you just see yourself staring back at yourself. <laughs> it's like, the saddest really and then you're like oh god did i shower today um (laughs) but i i do i do think it's a cycle and i think um you you have to break that right because you have this idea that i need to get off my ass and actually make something but um there's pressure for that thing you make to be really amazing and you know that you're not going to just get off the couch from watching Netflix and make an amazing thing. So you have to go through the struggle of like iterating on something or doing it multiple times for it to be good. And I think that's part of the struggle, right? If we can just get over the fact that it's not going to be perfect, it's not going to look like, you know, a perfect shot on Instagram, like that's not our lives. It's messy and we have to work really hard and keep trying. And, but just the simple act of creation, even if the outcome, no matter the outcome, just the sim- simple act of creating is very fulfilling and it's addicting. And once you break that cycle of like sitting on your ass and not doing anything, um, which you need to do sometimes, you you start feeling really fulfilled. And like you said, Julia, it just fuels that like you want you want that feeling. You're chasing after it and you want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we live in an age where we post everything. So you also have to remember that it's okay. You don't have to post like every single thing you make and not everything's going to be great. But if you're actually actively trying to do um, something creative that really gets, gets you going, then that's good too. Yeah. Dude, you have something that you look like you have something to add. Do you want to? I don't know. I was just thinking about how I used to be like really protective over the things I would share. And I'm trying to be better about just sharing my process. I'm eating the mic, Ben. Um, but, but I think about like, um, I remember this must've been like 2008 or something. Bradford Cox from deer hunter was, was posting all these like demos he used to, he used to do. It was just like, it's like tons of demos, mixtapes he was making and they weren't like necessarily polished or mastered or like some kind of final song, but it was just, he was showing sketches and insight into his process. And I always really appreciated that as like, uh, you know, somebody who's, who's uh, was at the time a little incapable of, of sharing any of that kind of work or like prone to like overworking ideas until it's unrecognizable from that little spark of inspiration that sort of made the thing interesting in the first place. So, um, yeah, I think, I think just share sharing also like helps you keep yourself accountable and keep you working. Otherwise you just disappear into into a vortex of Netflix is becoming a theme. Damn. <laughs> Themes for tonight, Netflix, it takes time. Um, 
Yeah. And I think as an onlooker, I'm, I'm very interested, the people that, whose work I admire and follow, I'm very interested in seeing behind the scenes. Like, I don't just want to see the things that are polished. I want to see, like, it makes them human when I know that they've messed up too, or all of the work that they do doesn't just come out perfectly. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, some of the, and it's interesting too, just like how you see something differently from somebody else. And I think like in terms of our, you know, like our whole life is a collaboration in some way from like, you know, making dinner, making choices for what we're buying for the living room or like she asks an opinion on a photograph or vice versa. Like it's all sort of an extension of this, of the same conversation we're having all the time. But, but, but yeah, I don't know. Like I'll just see something differently than, than you do or like pick out a detail. I'm like, Oh, it's cool she's like holding her face in that particular way or something I don't know yeah it's always funny when I have Aaron like edit through the photos I've taken he always picks different favorites from a shoot than than I'll ever have and I'll be like really you like that one and and um so I always think that's it's always great to have that other eye to see to see what they see yeah for sure so yeah and I want to I want to get into this more because you guys are um partners in life and you are creative partners, not in the sense that you work together at a day job or work together on uh, one big project over time, but you've collaborated on um, some personal projects and you have just started collaborating on your first official client project. Um, so I want to talk about you as creative partners, but first I want to hear the story of how you met because I don't know. <laughs> so who wants to tell? I think Aaron. Aaron looks like he wants to yeah. tell. Uh, yeah, what do I start? I think Give I was... Give us context, like what city is it? Yeah, so it's it's Chattanooga, it's 2007. Okay. <laughs> Anybody can remember back back then. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a small town, especially for people my age, so she stood out like a sore thumb. I was like, who is that? <laughs> Sitting over there, I saw her at a, at a bar, <laughs> and I was actually like, weirdly, we found out later, sort of seeing her old roommate from... <laughs> She had lived in Chattanooga for like a year uh, early on. This yeah. is a tangential detail. It doesn't yeah. matter. But I was, I was hanging out with her and saw her hanging out with uh, this guy I used to work with at a coffee shop. And I was like, who is that girl with Chris? I haven't seen her before. So I went over and introduced myself and said hello to Chris. And I was like, hey, we should, we should grab a beer sometime. And, and with only really one angle, <laughs> which was to find out who she was. And yeah. So you wait, you asked your friend or Julia to grab a beer? No, my friend. Oh, okay. You know, there's a code, you know, I can't just... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, but then when did you first say, hey, like, I like you, let's go out? Yeah. So I went, I went and had I'm a, getting all the... If you guys, if there's sure. more you guys want to know, you just let me know. I'm gonna, we're going to get this. I'm really proud of this. This is like one of my best, best things I've ever done because I went out and met him for a drink and I was like, oh, so he's hanging out with that girl. What, you know? What's going on with that? He was like, yeah, we're, things were going okay. I don't think she's like really into me anymore. She won't return my calls. And I was like, oh, cool. Check. <laughs> I'll check, please. Yeah, and Chattanooga is like yeah. super small. So there's like three, at, at the time anyways, there's like three bars everybody was hanging out at. So once that conversation, I guess, happened between them, um, we kind of immediately started hanging out and um, kind of were together since then. <laughs> yeah. But you, you were saying, I think, Aaron, you said earlier that, Julia, you moved to a new city like two weeks after you guys met? Yes, exactly. So um, I, I was only in Chattanooga for a couple months because it was the summer of 2007. I had just graduated in um, international relations, and so I had also spent the summer in France at home um, working for the Socialist Party. Uh, and when that was done, I... Was Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I didn't find that online. Yeah, well, you <laughs> probably can't. Um, but then once my internship was done, I was back in the States and kind of had applied to some different schools, but not really sure what I wanted to do. So I was just like crashing on my brother's place, who he also lives in Chattanooga. So in that short period of time, I met Aaron. And he actually told me about the school I ended up going to in Atlanta because he had a buddy that had gone there for graphic design. And so I was like, cool, I'll check it out, checked it out. And they're like, classes start in two weeks. So then I was like, all right, peace. 
going to Atlanta. So then you got yeah, a job like, at MailChimp in Atlanta. Yeah. Is that what happened? You, you said, I need a job in Atlanta. Right, two no. years There's later. There's a girl in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> no, I stayed in Chattanooga for two more years, and I just tried to make it work. I think I, think I was like, you know, my family never moved. None of my friends moved. So that was like, you know, it was a, it was a big deal. Even to go to Atlanta, which is only like an hour and a half away, it's not that far. It's like going up to Ridgewood or something, and it's not, not that bad. But I live a block away from Ridgewood. So you so know. I, so you know. You know what I'm talking about. I love about. my neighborhood. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I, I worked, you know, we, we made it work over two years. And then I got laid off from that job, which was, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to me, I think. At the time, it felt, you know, scary or whatever. So I moved to Atlanta. And then MailChimp was tiny then, like 30 people. Yeah. So I want to talk about this collaboration that you guys are doing. It's your first official collaboration as a couple for a client. And it's for um, a Brooklyn-based company called Throne Watches, yep. right? Yes. And they <laughs> are, they're launching something this week right? But that you've been working on. So I don't, mm -hmm. can you talk about it? I don't know, yeah. Zach, can we talk about can it? Can we? Oh, we got the thumbs up. We're good awesome. To yeah, so Throne Watches is based here in Brooklyn, um, and we're really good buddies with Zach Sears, and he worked with Aaron at Kickstarter. But um, we're just so I feel like we have always collaborated from the day to day, and Aaron has always helped me on shoots, just being an extra hand or an extra pair of eyes, and he's always just been so, my kind of my biggest fan in a way, and always wants to be involved, so that's always been a, been a part of it, but then I think we were just, both of us kind of a little bit bored with the day-to-day -day work that we have to do, things, you know, the the things we post on Instagram are like oh that's fun and cool but there's a lot of things we do that's like not super fun and cool um so we're kind of talking we're like we really respect what each other what we do and we're like it would be so fun to work together um and so for actually for a while for f like many months we've been like we should ask Throne if you know because we're buddies with them if we could do a whole campaign for them and you know and then like finally a few months later we're like hey uh, hey guys can we uh, can we do some stuff for you? And they're like, yeah. So, um, that's how yeah, that a lot happened. of it I think is like our our we knew where they were coming from in a way. Like, um, there's this real sort of for a lot of companies, this is like heritage Americana. You know, like Wolverine boots and campfires and drinking things out of. I mean, it's like a lifestyle thing, and I think. Uh, you know, if they had ever been sort of like identified with any of those, that sort of movement, they were trying to move away from it and do something that was like more uniquely New York. And I think from like an art direction standpoint, I was really interested in that. Um, just from a lot of the books I've read about the late 70s in New York and just sort of being interested in like the history of music and rock and roll around that time. And so I think uh, that's that's sort of where we were coming from. We kind of spoke the same language and, and Zach Zach's been really awesome about just kind of giving us a blank check to kind of do some really out there stuff, especially for a watch company. It's going to look really cool. We just finished phase one, which is like the product reshoot and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's a whole line of new watches, basically. Okay, cool. Yeah, I saw some some sneak peek posts on Instagram. So It's coming out on Friday. All right, excited to see it. Um, so when you guys are collaborating... I'm interested in the balance. You know, there's this point in time where you are, um, you know, like you're working autonomously, maybe ideating, coming, you know, coming up, brainstorming, and and doing a lot of thinking. And then there's this um, phase where you're like connecting and actually making the work. Like, what does that look f like for you two when you're working on a project together, like this one or another personal yeah. project? I mean, I think a lot of it is just sort of getting on the same page visually. So like we do the same thing as a lot of people do is just kind of like work with a mood board and just like gather all these images we sort of think are inspiring and think sort of like represent the kind of angle we're, we're trying to uh, communicate with whatever company it is. And then, and then I usually start sketching in a notebook just like for the, for the shoot, like specifically for like the product shots, I'll sketch out the watches and like the different sort of arrangements and, and all that stuff. But the, the, that never ends up doing anything more than becoming a, a talking point for the day of. Um, 
I don't think I recreate those sketches exactly, you know, but a lot of it's just like what textures are we going to shoot on? Like, and just sort of figuring out like the general art direction before we get in. Yeah. I feel like we both, um, I think he's a little bit stronger at, uh, concepting ideas. Um, but we both do that first initial round of research and, um, I think first of all we started on the idea together and then kind of went our separate ways and found materials that we were really inspired by and then come back together and we also shared like a Pinterest board and both are pinning to it and then um you know being like I love this for this reason that for another reason um and then once it actually comes to the shoot then um that's more my domain so um then I become you know the photographer and he Aaron's more the stylist, and <laughs> <Can't you tell? laughs> and more like being super nitpicky with you know details and stuff, which she's much better at. Um, and then the next phase is editing, and that that's also my strong suit. So um, so, but Aaron does help me with that too. So it is really a collaboration because he's got things he's better at and then things that I'm technically better at so yeah it's just a mutual respect for each other's strengths you know yeah that's what I was going to ask if if you each kind of just naturally assume different roles which with your skill sets absolutely yeah Yeah. um do you find the dynamic like being in a relationship and then working together with your partner um I don't know if anyone in this room works with their partner Anyone? Does anyone? No. Okay. No partners. Yeah, a couple people. I do. Um, It's so, there's a learning curve when, okay, if you're working with a romantic partner or a very close friend, right? Has anyone ever gone into business with a friend? (laughs) Or, you know, you think it's going to be amazing and sometimes it is, but it's very different working with someone on a project than just hanging out and having a couple beers, right? So did you guys, what was that? like for you the first time you officially worked together was it like oh this is so easy we're so awesome or (laughs) were there challenges (laughs) no I mean I think you know we never had any aspirations in the beginning to sort of like you know launch a little agency or do any of that stuff from like the beginning but I I would say early on like even when you started school and I was just out of school um you know, I was, we were talking about your projects, you were talking about my projects or whatever I was working on. So like, it's always been just sort of a part of our dialogue with each other. It's just work as part of life. I don't know. Yeah. So at the beginning, like you said, like, I don't, we, we, we kind of started our creative um, careers right when we met each other. And at that point, I think we were just so much at the beginning and young in our careers that it didn't really cross our minds to collaborate together, but, but we absolutely were still helping each other out in our projects. Um, so in a way we kind of always have been very fluid in our conversations about our projects. And, um, I mean, sure. There are times still where you're like, don't talk to me that way. You know, I'm your wife. Um, be nicer, you know, that kind of thing. But, (laughs) but you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like everything's rosy, but in a way, like, I think we really do respect what each other's strong suits are. And, you know, he's so much better at getting original ideas than I am, but I'm a better photographer. So, <laughs> I mean, I often think about like how different it would be if she was a bad photographer. Like, could I do that? <laughs> like, could that would be so hard? Like, if you were really bad at what you do, I don't, I don't think I would want to. I'd be like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm too busy to collaborate. I mean, I just, it could go I'm both ways. I'm working all the time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks for being good. Yeah, I mean, same. You were. <laughs> it's felt necessary to, you know, point that out. So, is there a little healthy competition? Do you think that you? Um, push each other to be better and do better like Aaron even though you're not you know Julie is the photographer but you know what she's capable of and if she does something you're like "Mm, it could be better or you're like Aaron mm, that could be a lot better usually that yeah that okay (laughs) no Um, no it's just interesting like as as a couple right you guys know each other so intimately and you've watched each other's creative careers grow like Julia said so I think 
I think it can go one of two ways, right? You can encourage and challenge each other, or you can sabotage each other. And what I mean by that is that, you know, so Ryan and my husband and I started The Great Discontent like five years ago now as a, as a side project. But for many years, we sabotaged each other. And what we did was I would come home from work and be really tired. And so I wanted to watch TV, you know, Netflix. I don't think Netflix was a thing then, but it was like whatever was on TV. Let's go to Blockbuster and watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and or or he would have a long day and I would come home and think, I want to write or paint or just do something creative for myself. And, and then he'd be like, oh, let's just go out to dinner and whatever. So I think that you can get into habits or patterns. Um, have you guys ever gone through periods where you're like, where you're in that pattern of not creating because the other person isn't, or you're kind of like, you're like allowing the circumstances to kind of control your creative output. Yeah. I, w- I would say both of us are like, like our creative output is pretty dependent on our environment. So I sort of felt like our time in San Francisco, albeit brief was not very productive in, in a lot of ways for us, like artistically or creatively. So, um, I don't know. When we moved, we moved back. I think we both both felt inspired and sort of felt at home again. But yeah, sure. I mean, I think you know, like my day to day, my nine to five is like like managing and and doing a lot of like that kind of work. So when I see her like putting out a ton of work and working with uh, new clients and and just like making a lot, I think sometimes I'm, I get. I get jealous or I feel like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not working <laughs> or I'm not making enough stuff on my own. And yeah, so it's definitely inspiring to have someone that's pushing themselves and makes, makes me not want to be lazy and fade away. Yeah. I think I, I realized early on that the better he does, the, I mean, the better it is for me. It also makes me look better, like to be like, oh, he's actually a talented graphic designer and you know You're just, just using me yeah I mean basically <laughs> so so in that way and I, I I also know he's happier when he's able to do projects that he's proud of so you know I, I do try to be like you should be doing your your like shape study projects or you know do something fun like that but I think I think kind of like we were saying at the beginning if we get stuck in this one mode of just not creating, um, it's so hard to get out of it. So as much as possible, you know, but at the same token, it's very, it's a good thing to relax and to stop, um, and to recharge. But, um, just taking that first step and just being like, we should be doing something else and you should be doing something else. That's, you know, and ultimately will make you happier is, is best. Yeah, and I think that can be hard to hear um, sometimes, you know, when you're in that Yeah, you totally sound like that nagging person who's like, you should be doing this. But but I think we all know, we all have that internal voice if we, whether or not we choose to listen to it is a different story, but I think internally we all know when there's something that we could be working on or something we want to work on and it's just overcoming, like, why am I not doing this? Why am I procrastinating? And I think having a creative partnership, again, whether it's romantic or a friend, someone who knows you well, who can call you out on your shit and won't let you get away with not doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. I think that's really important. So if you have that, if it's a romantic partnership or, or just a friend who can call you out on stuff, like you're really, really lucky. Um, so when they call you out on stuff, just say thank you. it's true try to say thank you it's hard Mm -hmm. um so i was reading so you guys are actually the first couple that we've interviewed on the show all right yeah (laughs) and i was looking up quotes uh from famous creative pairs because i was like hmm what have these people said about their creative partner and so i want to read a couple There's a couple I liked that stood out, and I want to read a couple. And then I have one last question for you guys. So the first, uh, and these are these are creative pairs that some are in romantic relationships, and some are um, you know business relationships. So the first quote is Penn Gillette talking about his longtime partner and magic teller, you know Penn and Teller. Um, And Penn said, "We often hate each other." But it's the kind of hatred that's like flint and steel. The sparks that come out make it worth the while. That's pretty intense. Whoa, he said that? That's yeah. Crazy. It's on the internet. 
So magicians <laughs> full of surprises. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm dad jokes all the way down. No kids. <laughs> dad jokes. No kids. Um, the second the second quote is uh, Simone de Beauvoir on Jean Paul Sartre. Try say that three times really quickly. Uh, when we were together, we bent our wills so firmly to the requirements of this common task that even at the moment of parting, we still thought as one. That's pretty romantic. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and the last one might be my favorite. Um, it's Neil Brennan talking about working with uh, his Chappelle show co-creator, Dave Chappelle. And Neil said, we've got it. Everyone, just stay the fuck away. <laughs> I really liked that one. I feel I feel like that a lot of times. You know, it's like, yeah, we got it. We know what we're doing. Um, so, in one one sentence or a couple, how would each of you sum up your creative relationship? You first. You first. <laughs> no, you first. Um. It's all about that mutual respect. <laughs> Please do that again. That's I deserve it. Um, yeah, it's about mutual respect, like still be nice to each other. Um, you know, tr try to encourage each other to do better. Um, and have fun with it, too. So. Fun is important, I think. Yeah. You can forget to have fun. Don't be too serious you need about to it have either. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are all the questions I have for you guys. Uh, Julia, Aaron, thank you so much for coming out and spending the evening with us. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks for coming. This episode was produced by The Great Discontent, Wayward Wild, and me, Benjamin Welch. I also did the ad music. The Great Discontent features conversations with today's artists, makers, and risk takers. You can learn more at thegreatdiscontent.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating in iTunes. It really does help spread the word. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>